Good morning. It's Monday, April 11th, 2022. Uh, this is Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director, Chief Investment Officer at Efficient Market Advisors, a business of Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors. Sorry for the absence last week. I took a little vacation uh, on Monday. was able to attend the uh, national championship for college basketball in New Orleans. So thank you for giving me the day off. Back to you again this week. As always, you can follow me intro week on LinkedIn and or Twitter uh, when we have something to say beyond the weekly. This is available both by subscription. Send us an email. We'll get you signed up. You get the slides every week with all the graphs and charts or just tell your smart device to play Herb Morgan's podcast or Slaying bulls and bears. Whatever podcast format you use, we're there. If you have one that we're not on, let us know and we'll get it added. The presentation you're seeing and hearing is designed for use with both financial advisors and investors. They are each expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in the presentation should be treated as advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. This is purely for informational purposes only. Only accuracy, adequacy, or completeness cannot be guaranteed. Uh, we had a big old red week last week. I forgot to make the font red, but you can see it down, down, down. S&P uh, took it the easiest, I guess, only down one and a quarter, but mid cap and small cap stocks really took it on the chin. International markets were in line with US big cap. Year to date, everything in the red, single digit, nothing really major considering the last couple of years we've had. Uh, this is no surprise at all, considering uh, the big, big, big rebound due to the monetary and fiscal stimulus, the coming off of the COVID-related economic restrictions, all of that uh, is says, hey, makes sense with the Fed changing from an aggressive easing stance to a still very easy stance with slightly higher short-term interest rates, uh, ceasing the, the, the purchase of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. All of this makes sense with where we are. What also got hit last week was look at not only the aggregate bond index down 1.8%, but take a look at the 20 plus index down 6%. When interest rates go up, the longer the maturity, the bigger the down. The worst performing asset class on this screen for the year is 100% guaranteed U.S. Treasury securities down almost 16% as measured by the 20 plus Treasury index from Barclays. Alternatives doing what they should do, which is being non-correlated. You can see the Water Island merger ARB index up almost a percent and the HFRX Global Hedge Fund index down about a percent. So being relatively uncorrelated to those other major asset classes. Let's get into the economic data from last week. And in my view, for the most part, the economic data remains strong. As we progress through the presentation today, we'll talk a little bit about what the probability is in our view of a recession. Um, now that not, is not necessarily the same as our probability of a down market or a bear market, because you know those two don't necessarily always go hand in hand. Let's start with factory orders. They fell less than expected, but they still fell after a big gain in January. Historically, factory orders, volatile series, good times and bad. Big recession, you'll see a big down. But we also had a huge rebound with Neri, a down month until February. So I don't see this as a negative. I see this all as rebuilding of inventories. And this is a getting back to normal. 
You back out transportation because transportation is big ticket aircraft, which can skew the data, gives you these up and downs. You back it out up four tenths of a percent. So still factories getting back to work. Our trade deficit widened again in February, really very high numbers, uh, 89.2 billion. Now, this is a negative to GDP calculations, but imports rose 1.3%. That partly reflects higher costs of petroleum imports and service imports spiked to a record temporarily from the broadcast rights fees for the Olympics, which took place obviously overseas. So uh, one th thing, you have a big uh, trade deficit. It says the U.S. consumer is strong, but when you look through it, you had a one-time issue with the Olympics uh, broadcast rights and hopefully a short-term issue associated with the energy price shock. Okay, the final PMI for the month of March from S&P, formerly Marquette, showed that services, about 85% of the U.S. economy, the growth there accelerated went from 56.5 uh, to 58, a little bit below expectations, but 58 is a sign of a very robust service sector. So we have a lot of folks calling for fearful of a recession. I think that really relates to the fact that the Fed is changing its course, and that would be a view that the U.S. economy, the strongest ever in the history of the world, can't survive on its own without life support from its central bank. I don't buy that argument. Here is suggesting that even with the Fed, being less loose, some would call it tightening. I don't really call it tightening until it's very restrictive and it's not restrictive yet. Uh, we have an accelerating service sector and at a very high rate, 58. The uh, ISM services sector also accelerated last month. That rose from 56.5 to 58.3. Still not as high as it was, above 50, but new orders rose, suggesting more production ahead inventories fell a little bit and backlog orders rose. So when your inventories are low and your backlog orders are high, that is suggestive of future economic growth. Employment also continued to gain, went above 50. That's the line of delineation between contraction and expansion. Employment rose to 54. Now, here was a big dog last week, consumer credit for the month of February, a record expansion in credit. $42 billion, 41.8 to be exact. Estimate consensus was 18.1. This number exceeded uh, all estimates of all economists, even the most optimistic in the Bloomberg survey. It was the largest monthly increase in history. Uh, both revolving and non-revolving credit grew. Very hard to see a recession when you have record increases in credit. Record. See the down bars here? That's a recession. Now, we, we don't have back in 08 and 09, but those numbers plunged way, way down um, the chart here. So nothing here suggests an immediate uh, recession. Going over to weekly initial claims for unemployment, came in at 166,000. I know we had 166,000 two weeks ago, and the number is so darn low. Um, it's hard to even see on the graph. The estimate was for 200,000. The lowest ever was 1968 at 162,000. So people say, well, okay, that's interesting. But in 1968, there was 76 million people in the American labor force. Today, the American labor force is more than 
double, more than double. So this would be the equivalent of about 80,000 claims for unemployment if it was indexed back to 1968. So as a percentage of the labor force, we're at the lowest level of initial claims for unemployment on record. Yet we are more fixated on what we're going to get later this week, CPI and PPI, and for good reason, inflation data, uh, and the fact that the Fed is, is leaving. But the Fed, the Fed support is leaving because it's no longer needed because the economy is doing very well on its own. Continuing claims, 1.52 million. And how about inventories? Wholesale inventories can get bid up because businesses aren't selling anything at the back end, but we know that's not the case. Wholesale inventories can get bid up because they're confident in future economic activity. That's what happened in the month of February. Wholesale inventories rose 2.5% exceeding estimates. Sales also rose 1.7%. So we're still in the inventory rebuilding phase. Again, hard to say that there would be a recession potentially imminent uh, uh, for something like that. So uh, what do we want to watch this week? Well, a couple of things. We're going to kick off earnings season. This is for Q1 2022. In the old days, we used to start with Alcoa. We always watched Alcoa. Now it's always the financial start, and usually the first company is J.P. Morgan, of the big names that matter. So we'll get a lot of financials this week. We're not expecting anything particularly special from the financials. They're a unique uh, sector within the S&P 500. But then we've got CPI on Tuesday and PPI on Wednesday. That CPI number is going to be hot, hot, hot. I, the market is selling off this morning. I think that's in anticipation of this hot, hot, hot CPI number. Uh, and I think the markets are fo focused and fixated on, on the very near term uh, of these numbers and what the Fed's going to need to do at their next meeting in early May, which is to you know, raise rates again. Uh, there's talk and probability, high probability that they will do 50 basis points and then start to begin their balance sheet uh, runoff. So all this talk about the recession as well, the short term, the yield curve is inverted, and we think this means there's going to be a recession. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about a recession. This is the Bloomberg recession indicator. It's a probability indicator that Bloomberg comes up with. They look at different things like the inverted yield curve, et cetera, and say, well, when it's rising, it often indicates a recession is set to come. Over the far left, uh, early 1970s, started to rise, got a recession. Uh, late 1970s, early 90s, really started to rise, got back-to-back -back recessions very close. This is where we whipped the back of that persistent inflation. Big rise there, big rise there, big rise coming up here, and then the little short COVID recession. Why was that recession so short-lived? Well, one, there was never a problem with aggregate demand. This was a supply-restricted recession. And number two, the stimulus amount was massive. In the end, when the policy response books are written, people may look back to this recession and say, uh, we overstimulated. They may say, this is the new norm. We just massively stimulate every time we start to look at a recession. But importantly, here we are at the recession probability indicator for, for Bloomberg. It's, this is saying in, about, in the next 12 months, there's about a 5% chance. So I think I'm more in this camp. And let's take a look at that yield curve inversion that everybody's talking about. 
Now, if you just eyeball this, we're not really inverted per se. Now you do have the 20 year here is a little higher than the 30 year. And you do have the seven here, just a tad, and maybe even the five, just a tad above the 10. But when, when economists talk about an inversion, we're talking about a Fed funds rate or maybe loosely translated the 30-day T-bill rate, like really, really short-term, three-month. So the three-month is above the 10-year. Well, that is very steep and very normal. And the Fed has lots of room to raise the Fed funds rate. You can, it's going to be impacted right around here. And this has a long way to go up before it would be inverted. Now, why would they do that? Because if inflation really got out of control, uh, and I don't think it's really out of control just yet, I know it doesn't feel that way at the pump. So I'm not convinced that the two being a few basis points above the 10 is a sign of any kind of imminent recession. So what would I be looking for for a possible recession? First and foremost, I, I would see top line revenue growth slowing uh, in corporate earnings reports, and that's clearly not happening. I would see uh, increases in weekly claims for unemployment, and as I just showed you, the lowest ever as a percentage of the labor force. Uh, I would want to see slowing jobs growth, and our new jobs added each month for the last six months have been really spectacular. I'd want to see slowing credit growth, banks beginning to tighten the availability of capital. Not at all the case. We just had the greatest monthly growth in credit ever, and I'd want to see widening credit spreads. So let's take a look at a couple of those things. Oh, and lastly, um, guidance this quarter. If companies in earnings season, starting this week and next, really aggressively guide down earnings, if they start to say, now they're mentioning inflation, of course, but if they start to say, we can't pass on these costs, we're going to slow hiring, orders are slowing for next year, those kind of comments would also cause me to be concerned about a recession. They're possible. They're very possible, by the way, but that would be a recession coming in mid to late 23, even early 2024. As of right now, top line revenue growth, this is Bloomberg estimated sales per share for the S&P 500. Uh, the number just continues to ratchet higher. This number is updated daily as analysts put their estimates into the Bloomberg system. So I don't see that, that that is an indicator yet of any kind of imminent recession. Corporate uh, credit spreads, what it costs companies to borrow normally would be widening. It'd be more to borrow relative to the treasury. So this is how much did high yield pay versus a, a 10 year treasury. You can see when it spikes high, you are going into recession without question. We had a spike here from December, uh, you know, really into early March, and then it really tightened for most of last month. So we're going to see that. Now, if this starts to spike higher again, then yes, I'm going to probably be in that recession camp right now. Wait and see. Watch is my view of that. So uh, again, top line revenue growth, still very strong. Jobs growth, strong. Credit growth, strong. Credit spreads, healthy but lots of asterisks on guidance because that's going to start as we move into earnings season this week. We're going to get you know, tech, then we get uh, really the, the, uh, the, excuse me, we get financials, then healthcare, then, then big tech, 
And then really small cap starts coming in in a few weeks as well. And that's a good indicator, a valuable indicator, I should say as well. So today, no big economic data, small business optimism, and the big dog everybody's wanting to see this week is what's going on with the CPI on a month over month basis. That's massive. On a year over year basis, we're looking at north of 8%. That is massive. It's all about whether or not inflation has peaked or peaking is in sight, not the absolute level as far as markets are concerned. Weekly claims for unemployment, retail sales, import, export prices, business inventories, consumer sentiment, New York State, the regional manufacturing survey. Remember we had that weird plummet, but then Philly Fed was great. So we're gonna to to see that come back. Production and capacity utilization, starting to get to that point where even capacity utilization can get constrained. It's around 80%. So we're still okay, but we're starting to get to that point. Thanks as always for tuning in. I appreciate everybody's time and I will be back to you again next Monday.